This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings, fans of the esoteric, and welcome to Madame Magenta and the Arcati Killer, chapter I'm Loving Angels Instead. Yes, no, we're back on the song titles now. Yes. We, we, we had a, a, a number of chapters that were just sort of exclamations of surprise and alarm. Yes. And now we're back on the song titles. It, I mean, the angel reference, I'm thinking Gabriel. It, it seems quite likely, doesn't Who's it? Who's my personal guardian angel? Yes, you may remember him from the end of book one. Yes. And we've been wondering whether he might turn up again. Yes, although he's a bit of a deus ex machina, isn't he? <laughs> I suppose you could describe him as that, yes. Yes, as in uh, he could just wave his hand and sort everything out. So let's hope he doesn't do that. Yes, that's <laughs> we will. very interesting, is it? We shall find out. Right. I haven't come across many rituals in my time that weren't utterly ridiculous. Apart from that one occasion years ago, where we stumbled across an exorcism in Haiti, an experience that put Bernard and I off 18 to 30 package holidays for good. Occult ceremonies mainly seem to be the sole preserve of harmless, silly billies. In my experience, most of that Alistair Crowley nonsense boils down to dogging with pretensions. A lot of things seem to have been invented as an excuse to have weird sex, and most magic and alternative lifestyles definitely fall into this category. I remember coming across a coven when I was in my early twenties. They were keen to get me involved in their shenanigans because of my natural gifts, and being young and curious, I went along with it for a while. But attending a winter sabbat where they all stripped off and covered each other's wobbly bits in occult markings, it occurred to me that the natural gifts they were interested in were my large, youthful bosoms, not my esoteric skills. Elspeth knows what she's doing, unfortunately. She doesn't appear to have any natural flair herself, but she's very effectively tapping into mine to get the old occult engine started. The ritual started about five minutes ago, chanting, incense, etc. And about two minutes in, I started to feel a charge running through my body and out into the space created by the circle. Her words are controlling it, and I don't know how to stop it. She's got the book learning and the props. I've got the raw power. Together, we can create havoc. The havoc in question, I'm guessing, is a summoning spell. On that subject, the reason one shouldn't dabble in dark forces is because the results are never what you want them to be. It's the worst customer service industry in existence. This never seems to stop people having a go, unfortunately. Having said that, there is someone stroke something I want to summon, actually. How about an angel instead of a demon? I interrupt, as she intones in a language I don't recognize, mainly because I only speak English in C-grade GCSE German. She stops and shoots me a look. 
She's got far too much green eyeshadow on. It makes her look like a deranged art teacher. It also clashes with the shade of red that her pupils have turned, although one could call it festive if one were feeling generous, and if one associated Christmas with glowing-eyed occultists. A demon is more likely to do what I want it to. Elspeth smiles meaningfully, and it might be my imagination, but her teeth look sharper than before. Then she starts again, intoning, hopping around, sprinkling dried chunks of... What is that? Potpourri? I interrupt again. Elspeth balls her fists in frustration. Shut up! The light in her eyes dims momentarily, as if the energy source has been disrupted. I'll have to start again now, for God's sake! She points a finger at Bernard and looks at me. Greg is standing right behind him. There will be consequences if you do not do as I say. She stabs the finger towards Bernard again. Consequences. No one must interrupt the ritual of Blachfarnakochr. Or something like that, anyway. It sounds a bit like Klingon, a bit like Glaswegian, and a bit like choking on a chunky yogurt. So put a bloody sock in it. All right, calm down, I huff. I'll be quiet. Elspeth gathers herself to start over, then stops and turns to me again. In answer to your question, it's not potpourri, it's dried brain. She smiles and scoops out another small handful from the bum bag around her waist. Very special dried brain. Jesus Christ. It's what? Asks Fazir from where he's sitting on a stool in the shadows, a note of genuine puzzlement in his voice. Nothing. She chirps and goes back to work, scattering dusty bits of brain around the perimeter of the circle. Gainer, I whisper, trying not to move my lips. Elspeth doesn't hear, thankfully. Too busy chanting incantations, the mad bitch. Gainer floats over, but only as far as the edge of the circle. Yes, dear. I'm sorry I'm not being much help. I'm not sure what to do. Go get Gabriel, I breathe, trying not to move my lips again. Gainor frowns. Pardon? I grit my teeth and try again. My guardian angel. I risk speaking a tad louder, though it's still barely above a whisper. Can you get him? Elspeth pauses in her chanting and casts me a suspicious glance. I try to look as innocent as possible. Sorry, dear. Once more, says Gaynor, twiddling a finger in her ear. Bloody hell! How would she even have problems hearing? Isn't that a physical problem? She's a bloody ghost for crying out loud. Elspeth has returned to her business for the time being, so I try again. Gabriel, guardian angel, go get him. Although it comes out more as I suppose. Oh, your guardian angel. I should find your guardian angel. Gaynor says, and I nod very slightly. Gaynor taps her lip with a finger and thinks. Well, I can certainly try, she exclaims, and off she pops. The temperature immediately climbs, but luckily no one seems to notice. I let out a long breath, trying to calm myself. I hope she finds him. Gabriel's helped me out of a sticky circumstance before. Well, sort of. To be more precise, I made sure it was in his best interests to help me. He didn't give a shit that I was in trouble. Gabriel is an arsehole, and he's not answerable to me. He might be my guardian angel, but I'm not his boss. Consequently, the care he shows towards me is similar to that of a particularly disinterested McDonald's supervisor for his team. Still, any port in a storm. Talking of which, swirls of darkness are starting to appear from the edges of the chalk circle. Wisps of better-than-CGI blackness sprouting from the ground and circling upwards like the beginnings of a personal cyclone with me at the epicenter. It's giving me the extreme willies and not in a good way. As the room beyond becomes obscured, I dimly hear Bernard calling my name. 
but his voice is distant and muffled by the howling of the wind. I think what's supposed to happen next is that I am to be possessed by some kind of beastie. Oh, no, you don't, I bellow, feeling something probing at the edges of my sixth sense. It's a strange feeling, like a collection of small ghostly crabs tapping at the windows of my mind. Shoo! I steel myself, preparing for an epic struggle of good versus evil with my body and soul as the battleground, tensing every muscle and sinew, girding every inch of my loins, both menorah and majora. I shore up the banks of my mind and prepare for the onslaught. Another faint, multi-clawed prod. Sweat beads on my forehead. The crab beast prods again, slightly harder this time. The toes on my right foot start cramping from the tension. And then a sensation crashes into me, a tsunami of immense, overpowering disinterest. Psychically, I sense the crab beast shrugging multiple rows of shoulders. The cyclone instantly disappears, revealing the room exactly as it had been before. Elspeth is on her knees on the floor, arms aloft. There's a pause while everyone studies me to see if I've grown horns. It didn't work, I crow. Armath <laughs> Pendralgodrogol. It's quite Welsh, isn't it? It is rather. It's, it's sort of Tolkien-esque, isn't yes, it? Yes. Elspeth cries, mouth agape, hair like an Australian bushfire. Not literally on fire, of course, just wild and untamed in a sort of reddish colour, possibly with creatures living in it. Metaphor scene. I said it didn't work. Elspeth continues to look like an art teacher who's had her nose in the PVA glue. I seek out Bernard to see what he thinks of all this. To my alarm, he's looking straight at me with a look of bumboiling terror. Actually, not straight at me. More like just behind me. Oh, behind me. I hear a rustle of fabric, the sound coming, unsurprisingly, from behind me. Do you want to come out where I can see you? I quaver, resisting the urge to make a run for it. I wouldn't get far with the chair still attached. I hear a rustle again, and then a figure seemingly spun from light makes his way around me and to the front of my chair. It stops, almost touching my knees. I look slowly up, again stealing myself for a glimpse into the abyss. I need not have worried. If it's a demon, it looks exactly like an angel. So the whole fallen angel thing is true, is it? I asked the tall, pale, insect-faced Aryan before me. I expected scales or something. What? Oh, yes, you're going to have to be an angel. That's all right, I can How do did that. you do it before, dear? I can't remember, but I'm going to invent it. Remember, he was into the Smiths or something, so you could make him a sort oh, of Oh, yes, tricky. he was like Morrissey, wasn't he? Yes, yes make him right. like Morrissey. All right, we'll do that then. What? He snaps, narrowing his bitchy eyes and putting his hands on his hips. Why would I have scales? What's wrong with you? Hang on. Gabriel, I ask. Gabriel looks at his fingernails. You recognise me then, even if we all look the same to you. He remarks accusingly. Oh, Jesus, I mutter. Angels do all look the same. It's hardly my fault I didn't recognise him. Gabriel, I smile, hiding any feelings of irritation. After all, I'm still very relieved to see him, given the circumstances. Thanks for coming. The ghost came and got me, so here I am. Yay. Gabriel turns round and casts his golden orbs over the others, his eyes, not his breasts. Said orbs alight on Elspeth, who stood up from her deferential crouch and now appears a little concerned. Armath <laughs> Pendrandrogol? She says uncertainly. Nope. I took Armath's place at the last minute, told him to go home. He seemed pretty happy about it. Soz. So, what you want? 
Um, well, could you possibly tell me who I might be addressing first? Elspeth asks primly, as if we're meeting at proms in the park. Gabriel sighs heavily, as if he can't be bothered, which he probably can't. Behold, I am the angel Gabriel. He declares lazily, hands still on hips. The angel Gabriel? No, not the angel Gabriel. It's a common name, all right. Gabriel snaps. Now what you want, I haven't got all day. I peer around Gabriel in an attempt to see more than his berobed rear and search for Fazir. As expected, Fazir is curled into a terrified ball in the corner of the room, no doubt because past experience has led him to associate Gabriel with his life going spectacularly wrong. I feel a twinge of sympathy for the poor sod and turn back to the action. Elspeth has drawn herself into a stance recognisable as High Priestess Commanding Powerful Forces. Angel Gabriel, we have summoned thee to do our bidding. The circle binds thee to us for this time and commandeth thou oh please. Gabriel interrupts stroppily. Let's cut the dramatic, shall we? I know what the circle means. What do you want? Elspeth lit her hands drop. All right. Tell us where the talismans of Twitchin are hidden. We commandeth thee. Gabriel's mouth turns down, which is near to a quizzical frown as his tight insectoid face can manage. Twitchin talismans? What do you want those for? They're for him. Elspeth says, pointing towards Fizz's quivering form. She sneers. So he can talk to the animals. <laughs> Go on, tell them where they are. Just do as she says. I hiss, keen to get this over with. Gabriel turns his head and glares down at me. You need to stop ordering me about, thank you. And besides... Gabriel lowers his voice. I have to do what she asks. I don't have any choice. I'm bound to it. Looks like we got off lightly then, doesn't it? If that's all she wants you to do. Gabriel shakes his head. Afraid not. He turns back to Elspeth. You're out of luck. All twitching artifacts were destroyed a long time ago. However... He adds, folding his arms. If it's animal chit-chat you're after, that one will have to get rid of his curse first. Gabriel nods towards Fazir. There's a pause while we take that in. What? Oh, I've got to say this as well. Yes, you do. What? what? Elspeth and I say in synchronisation. He's cursed. Bring him closer. Elspeth nods at Greg, who heads over to Fazir. He hauls him to his feet and drags him towards the angel. Closer. Gabriel commands. Greg obeys, the muscles in his arms flexing as the inert Fazir is moved once more. He isn't resisting, but rather has the confused bearing of a man caught in a nightmare. He's so frightened, I murmur, cringing. Oh, for God's sake. Snaps Gabriel. He unfurls his wings as far as the circle will allow him. The individual feathers start to vibrate, and in that moment, heavenly light gushes out of it, Gabriel, and fills the room, reflecting blindingly off the stainless steel surfaces. It seems thicker, more viscous than ordinary light, and possesses an emotional component, like morphine made into light waves. I feel myself ease into it, my muscles loosening, sighs of contentment dropping from my lips. Do not be afraid, Fazir. Sings Gabriel as everyone in the room dissolves into happy puddies. Puddies. Puddies? <laughs> I mean, puddies. The, the word is puddles, but... Uh, puddies. Happy, happy puddies. Oh dear. I mean, it still works, doesn't puddles. it? Puddles. All right. Or puddies. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, so the Gabriel again. You are safe with me. Gabriel's quite the actor. You can barely detect his ever-present contempt for humans in the honeyed tones. Slough away the past. Do not let the fear and anger control you. Try not to dwell on that business in the airport. That's from the uh, first podcast, isn't it? From the first yes. Podcast. Yes. 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 Vizier whispers, swaying. The muscles of his face relax. He looks ten years younger, if a little vacant. Good boy. Job done, Gabriel snaps his wings shut. The radiant light disappears, replaced by the less comforting strip lighting of the kitchen. The internal opiate glow also dissipates, but a cosy residue is left behind. I snuggle into these scraps, desperate to cling to any comfort it can give me. Fazir rubs his eyes and blinks like a cartoon character, and Gabriel takes a step forward to study him. That's better. Couldn't bear all that cowering. Now, let's see. Gabriel tilts his head to one side and narrows his eyes. He's been under a curse for about 40-odd years, since childhood. What kind of curse, I ask, curious. I'm getting to that. Gabriel snaps. It provokes... Oops, sorry. That's you. (laughs) It provokes sudden attacks from animals. His lip curls. The non-human kind. He clarifies. Seems like a mean trick. I feel rather chatty since the opium light. Forty years! Who would do that to a kiddie? Why would anyone do that? Fazir blinks again stupidly. A curse? He repeats. Your brother. Elspeth chuckles, revealing less pointy teeth. It must have been him! Who else? He was always so, so powerful, even as a child. Her sharp face softens at the memory. He really hated you when you were born, Fazir. Yes, he did. Don't look like that. You knew. You remember how he would play tricks on you, but I didn't realize he used his powers as well. <laughs> okay. Gabriel sighs, picking at his cuticles. He looks down his long, aquiline nose at me. On a side note, that's why I gifted you the power of animal telepathy. I start, confused by the shift in focus. What? An odd smile plays on his thin, pale lips. I was instructed to give you a gift for returning the ring. My ring? Fazir interrupts. The Malus Angelus. Your brother's ring? Elspeth rejoinders sharply. Our bloody ring. Gabriel snaps. Not yours or your bloody brother's. Our bloody ring. The angels. Gabriel's face darkens. The arrogance of humans. The grasping. A planet full of selfish, greedy toddlers. You think just because you stumble across something that it belongs to you to do with as you wish? Um, I interject, wishing to return to the subject of me. Excuse me, Gabriel, what's this about animal telepathy? You mean the animal telepathy you inflicted on me last year? What's that got to do with this? Gabriel glares for a moment longer at Elspeth and Fazir before returning his attention to me. Shortly after I returned the ring to those who it belonged to... Directed at Elspeth and Fazir. I was instructed to give you a gift. Any gift I could choose. And as this human... He hissed at Fazir. ...had been trying to take it away, it seemed fitting to give you the opposite of his curse. So I blessed you with the ability to understand all of God's creatures. Rather tellingly, Gabriel smirks on the word blessed. He clearly knows that an endless cacophony of sexed-up delinquents and a dog-informant network that I never asked for isn't much of a blessing. Can you remove it? 
can you take away Harley's curse? Vizier husks. His bottom lip trembles. His eyes fill with tears. Oh, I suppose I could. Gabriel says lightly. I do believe he's enjoying this. But it's complicated. Is it? Vizier asks desperately. I need a vessel to transplant your curse into. I can't just destroy it. It has to go somewhere. Any volunteers? Gabriel looks around and laughs mirthlessly. Hmm. Didn't think so. Her. Elspeth orders impatiently, looking at me. Put the curse into her. That's what she's here for, to be used. Lovely, I sniff. I suppose I could. Gabriel also sniffs, stroking his chin thoughtfully. But she can't contain both a blessing and a curse of the same variety at the same time. Can't you swap them? Fazir asks, at which point I stop feeling sorry for him. Yes, that could work. The traitor, Gabriel says. And then we'd have no need of the artifacts of the Twitson. Elspeth brays triumphantly. Hang on. Bernard butts in angrily. You're going to give Magenta his curse, but you're supposed to be her guardian angel. The power of the circle compels me. Sorry. Gabriel shrugs. So there's no point scowling at me either of you. My hands are tied. I'm not scowling, actually. I'm very upset. I look across the room at Dave and fully absorb the implications of taking on this curse. Dave, my little furry man. I'm not bothered about being unable to hear his thoughts anymore. If anything, I'd welcome the return of our silent relationship. But we won't have a relationship at all if I receive this curse. He won't like me. Okay. Let's do this. Gabriel exclaims, clapping his hands. I tense, waiting for the hammer to fall. We all wait. A few seconds pass. Get on with it, then. Elspeth complains. I've already done it, says Gabriel. What were you expecting? A thunderclap? Hardly merits it. It's only a small curse. Can I go now? I've fulfilled my side of the bargain. Wait! Elspeth commands and hauls Fazir over to where Dave is sitting in Bernard's lap. Pat the dog, she orders. Get away from my dog! Bernard exclaims futilely, unable to stop them. Fazir bends and slowly extends a trembling hand. Without leaving the safety of Bernard's lap, Dave twists his head away from the questing hand and growls softly, the whites of his eyes showing, his little body tense with aggression. Elspeth turns sharply to Great. Elspeth turns sharply to Gabriel and opens her mouth. No, don't, Fazir says, straightening back up and gesturing at Elspeth to be silent. He growls because he can sense his master's antagonism towards us, not because I am cursed. Fazir appears to be moist around the eyeballs again, though not for the same reasons. He continues in an awed whisper. I heard his thoughts or emotions. Is that what I can hear? No, it's both. I, I, I can't explain it, but I can understand him. Vizier looks round at us in wonderment. I can understand! See? Gabriel says coolly, cocking an eyebrow. I'll be on my way then. He heads back to the area behind my chair from whence he first appeared, and then swishes around with a rustle of heavenly tailoring to address the room. Oh, and you should let Magenta go. In fact... He adds as if suddenly remembering his duties towards me. I'd be very angry if she came to any harm. Very, very angry. And you don't want to upset an angel. Okay, cool. And with that, I sense him disappear. I look hopefully back at the others. Fazir has drifted into a corner of the kitchen, where he's looking up towards the ceiling, his expression rapt. I vaguely remember hearing the faint chittering of a spider from that direction earlier. I strain. I can't hear it anymore. Oh no, Dave, I whisper, sudden tears springing to my eyes. 
I make eye contact with him. Dave, come to mummy! I call louder, desperately. Dave, come on! I doubt he'll be able to enter the circle, but I need to see if he'll come to me. He doesn't move. Instead, he lowers his head and bares his teeth and emits a low, threatening grumble, never taking his eyes off me. I burst into noisy sobs, my heart aching in my chest. Dave, I wail. Dave! Dave! It honestly feels as if my heart is breaking. What will I do without Dave? And who will look after him? No one will love him like I do. The door slams, briefly distracting me from my grief. No one has entered, so I look around through veils of tears to see who might have left. Vizier! Presumably, he's hurried off to test his new powers on other creatures. Dave! Dave! I resume, tears flowing down my cheeks and dripping onto my caftan. Oh, do shut up. Elspeth snaps, voice somewhat muffled. She's buried in one of the bags, pulling out bits and bobs and flinging them on the ground. Here they are. Elspeth straightens up and through gloopy eyes I watch as she holds aloft a dagger and a shallow bowl. She smiles. Good. Now that nonsense is over, we can proceed to the main event. <gasps> what a... would you call it? Goodness me. Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. Sense. Long chapter. It was. A lot of acting for me in that. Yes. <laughs> Four different characters who all have exactly the same vocal cadence. Yes. I think you might have to do some editing there, dear. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, well, I left a lot of big hearty pauses while I tried to figure out what was going on. We never edit these podcasts, do we, dear? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> We live in the less egregious mistakes. That's right, yes. yes. All right, well, uh, happy, happy day, happy day wherever you are. I suppose <laughs> that's a good good sign-off, isn't it? Happy day wherever you are. Applicable on all days. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. After all this time... What time is it again? I feel like the clock stopped. Time was a tennis ball we could bat round the court. Time for distraction too. Time to just sink to the bottom. Time to get to the meat of this meat. Time for Greater Boston Season 4. That's right, on September 13th, Greater Boston returns with new full-length episodes released every other Tuesday. And we're so excited for you to hear it. But also, it's been three years since our last season wrapped, so we're maybe a little worried that people might have forgotten about us. So we're asking for you to help spread the word. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your co-workers and classmates, tell your cat, tell your local subway busker. But politely and without interrupting their performance, point is, now is a good time to share your love for Greater Boston on Twitter and Tumblr and Instagram and TikTok and wherever else you, you know, post things. Then come back on September 13th when Greater Boston Season 4 officially begins.